0: guest for you today, my dear friend, Dr. Robin McKay. I have been really wanting to have her on the show for a long time, and we finally made it happen. I think this episode is going to be mind-blowing for a lot of you. Who is Dr. Robin McKay? Robin is a top advisor for executives and leaders at Fortune 500 companies, as well as elite-level performers in entrepreneurship, sports, and entertainment. She is known as the whole brain coach meaning she works with intellectual abilities and emotions, but the real transformation work that she's is doing is on the soul level. She is an authority on spiritual intelligence, which we talk about in this episode. She has a PhD in counseling psychology from the University of Kansas where she studied everything from spiritual intelligence and personal development to positive psychology and creativity. She is also an Akashic Records certified consultant, so she reads the Akashic Records, and she is a clear channel. She is the author of the book Smart Girls in the 21st Century and the host of Mindset RX podcast, which I have had the honor of being a guest on, so I definitely recommend you check that out. There are so many things I wanted to talk to Robin about, but the two main ones, the first one was ADHD. If you head to her podcast, MindsetRx, if you go to her social media, you'll see that she talks a lot about ADHD, and she really is talking to the entrepreneur, the executive, the leader who has ADHD. Now, when I went on her podcast, we went in depth about my perspective on ADHD, and I've done a podcast on... You know my podcast, this podcast about ADHD as well, but I wanted to open up that conversation on this episode just so we could really dive into it and hear from Robin with with her experience and her expertise. So we talk a lot about ADHD and um, you know some of the different interpretations of that, what that might mean, uh, even just you know maybe lifestyle recommendations that could be supportive if you have ADHD. Or you're a right? you know, who knows? <laughs> so we talk about ADHD. We also talk a lot about uh, what it means to be a channel, being a clear channel. Uh, can everybody be a channel? We talk about the NEO, which is a personality assessment that is truly life-changing. You know, I'm not personally a big fan of the Myers-Briggs test. I don't have, like, anything against it. Well, we talk about it in this episode. It's just, like, never really been something that's been super helpful for me. The NEO is a personality inventory test that assesses someone's personality based on the big five personality traits, which are neuroticism, extroversion, openness, conscientiousness, and agreeableness, according to the internet. I just read that off the internet. So we take a deep dive into the NEO. I have Gotten the Neo Done by Robin and it was a really incredible experience and I talk about that more here but I just think it's so helpful to really validate what your unique gifts are and how you're in the top 1% in terms of the way that you you think or the way that you show up what your personality is in a way that other people aren't and so of course those are your unique gifts and you should lean into those and I know a lot of people struggle with this idea of purpose and why am I here and that's a whole other conversation but I just found that you know, I don't know that the Neo told me anything. I, I mean, it didn't tell me anything I don't already know about myself, but there was so much validation and just a different perspective on my personality that made me see how I have certain ways of approaching the world that are so unique to me that I didn't realize were uncommon. And so, of course, I should lean into those the same way that there are pieces of my personality that are more common, I guess, average. And those aren't like my unique gifts, but there are other people that in that area are on the extremes. And so that's where they can really show up in their unique leadership energy by by leaning into those places where their personality is a bit more unique. So it'll make a lot more sense in the episode, but I feel like, you know, if the Neo resonates with you, I can't recommend it enough. It was super life changing for me. And I feel like every person in a leadership position should definitely get this if they can. Robin has offered a discount code to anyone in the audience who wants to get the NEO. So if you do book in, if you use the code Christina, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A, that will get you $200 off your NEO assessment. So I highly recommend that. We will drop all of Robin's links in the show notes, but you can check her out on Instagram at dr. Robin McKay, R O B Y N M C K A Y. You can find her on Facebook and on LinkedIn and on her podcast, Mindset RX, which I highly recommend. I had so much fun chatting with Robin in this episode. We could chat for hours, would love to have her back. But in the meantime, I cannot wait for you guys to hear this. So enjoy this conversation with Dr. Robin McKay. I am so excited to announce that my new book, Manifestation Mastery, How to Shift Your Reality and Co-Create with the Universe is officially available for purchase right now. This book is a really comprehensive guide to manifestation and how the energetics of attraction really work. It is the perfect resource if you are ready to really learn how to raise your frequency, become truly magnetic, and make manifestation your lifestyle. If you really want to understand how manifestation works, I highly recommend checking out this book. The book is a completely channeled text and is super activating, so only get your hands on it if you are ready to truly shift your life. As always, I am so grateful for all of your support during this launch, the way that this community has supported me. It truly, truly means the world. And I really couldn't have done this without you. So thank you so much for that. And as an extra thank you for anybody who leaves a review for the book on Amazon, you can submit that at manifestationmasterybook.com and get a free bonus chapter that goes along with the book that no one else has access to. So if you want to be one of the first people to get your hands on this book, Manifestation Mastery, and if you want that free bonus chapter, just head head to manifestationmasterybook.com and you can find all of the information there. You can head straight to Amazon to find the book as well. When you get it, be sure to tag me on social media at Christina, the channel, so that I can see that you're reading it. I can see which parts you are loving and I can repost you and say, thank you so much for supporting me with this book. And if it does resonate with you, tell everybody, you know, let's spread the love. Let's spread the high vibes all of the manifestation magic. That is my goal with this book. So again, all information you can find at manifestationmasterybook.com. And I can't wait for you to get your hands on this. So I like to start every podcast with a few questions to help my audience get to know you. Is that okay? I would love that. Okay. I bet you would love that. I think I'm ready. You're ready. Okay. So first one is how do you like to start your day? What's your morning routine?
1: Before I even open my eyes, I connect in with source. So I make sure that I'm calibrated to whatever frequency it is that I want to calibrate to for the day. And then my next step is to make sure that everything around me calibrates to me, including my golden doodle puppy, my husband, my business, my bank account, everything calibrates to me who's, and I've already calibrated to My highest frequency. So that's immediately how I start my day. And then Cooper is getting old enough now that he's not nutty as a loon first thing in the morning, which is great. He's 22 months, he's a golden doodle and still has a ton of energy. So I spend my early mornings with him, getting him sorted for the day. And then I have coffee and enjoy my view. I've got mountain views out my back window. And eventually I make it to my office about nine o'clock.
0: There you go. That's yeah. very, I love that. Simple.
1: It's good. Simple.
0: Yeah. I feel like since I've got Luna, my kitten, like my whole morning is just kind of turned into playing with her <laughs> Like mm-hmm. before I used to have all these things. And now my morning is like, it's just Luna.
1: <laughs> Animals have a way of bringing us right into the present moment. And I, mm-hmm. when I first got Cooper, I kind of resented that because I had a whole process that I would go through with my journaling and writing letters to money and to my business and all of those things. And that just went out the window when I brought Cooper home. And now it's, we're shifting again because he doesn't require as much attention and constant watching for a while. It was constant watching. So now I'm getting kind of back into my old practices of writing my letters and doing my journaling first thing.
0: Yeah. Well, I find that for her, like with her, it just helps me be slower in the morning. Like I wake up and, you know, I do my stuff in my head, but then like, I used to just get up and like, kind of get going. And now I like lay there cause she's sleeps next to me. So we just kind of lay there for like 20 minutes and it's so she's nice so to cute. just, Oh my God. She's like a doll. <laughs> she didn't look real. <laughs> so yeah, she's great. She's great for me. Animals, animals are, are very good for bringing you into the present. So love that. Okay. Next is what's a product you're really into right now? So it could be food supplement, it could be skincare, it could be a book, it could be a crystal, anything physical.
1: So I don't know if you know this, but you are my curator of all things (laughs) in my life.
0: (laughs) Oh my God, I didn't know that, but I'm honored.
1: (laughs) I don't have time or the energy or the inclination to be as diligent as you are. And so there are a couple of things that I love right now. One is I'm having chocolate element in my coffee every morning and it's like a mocha and stop it with how amazing that is. It's
0: so good. It's It's so good. good.
1: It's so good.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I love that.
1: My husband makes our coffee. He's like this. I always say that his second act career should be a barista because he just has this precision. He's like a chemist in there making our coffee. And he says, I ruin it with the but I, I think I only make it better. So I start with a really good base and then I add the, the element, I add some coconut creamer to it and I'm good to go. So that's one thing. And then I'm really loving the clear stem Mm -hmm. product line for my skin. I'm gen X and I'm super, I'm at that phase in my life where I'm super, I don't want to say concerned, but conscientious about skincare. I always have been, but it's kind of up a level. So that has just created just really this glowing condition for my, for my skin as well. So I those two.
0: your I skin it. looks amazing. You're, you're like thank glowing. You. Yeah. Thank do you do use the whole line? Do you use all of their products? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Okay. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Great. Well, everybody so did thank not you. tell Robin. I did not tell Robin to say that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're my curator. You know, there's something about, I had a uh, my hairstylist who I've had for years is my age. She, so we're Gen X and then her daughter is also a stylist and she's in her early thirties. And she did my blowout last time. And I just felt like I had a little bit that millennial pop to my energy was so yeah. good. So I so appreciate you guys for being so conscientious about oh, products and, and style because it really helps me feel my best too. So,
0: oh, I love that. Thank you. on oh behalf
1: On behalf of all Gen X, I thank you.
0: Thank you. <laughs> you know, it's funny because that's something like, you know, like we met more like once I had changed my business a lot, but when I first started for years, I feel like my whole business was just basically product recommendations because I was food blogging um, and then working for beauty counter. And like, I don't know, I was just like doing all product recommendations. And I was thinking about this the other day. I'm like, I kind of miss when that was just my whole life. Uh, cause it's just like, you just get to try all this fun stuff, do all this research, look at ingredients, get to know founders. Um, and that's super fun for me. So I'm glad that you appreciate the recommendation. <laughs> I
1: hundred percent.
0: You're my go-to,
1: you're my go-to. So.
0: All right. Good Good to know. I'm honored. I'm honored. All right. <laughs> next is, um, astrology, sun, moon, and rising.
1: Capricorn sun. I just had my birthday, January 2nd.
0: Happy birthday.
1: Thank you. Libra rising and Libra moon.
0: Oh, double Libra. Double Libra. I and see I that. just
1: did an ast- astrology reading today mm-hmm. with my friend, Rachel. And apparently now I've got Pluto and all of this transit stuff going on for the next couple of years. She was like, astrology to me is like a foreign language. So mm-hmm. I'm like trying to, understand everything she's saying, but she was, she was sort of blown away by the intensity of the next couple of years for me. So.
0: Wow. Yeah. That'll be big. Well, I have Pluto in my mid, like I forget the term is conjunct my mid heaven or something. My astrologer said that it's like super rare. And what that means is basically my entire career for like, basically my whole life is just going to be all death, rebirth cycles. I'm like, Oh, that makes sense. She's like, yeah, you're never gonna be able to do just one, have one thing like your entire career. Uh, she's like, I've never seen that before. I was like, wow, oh, great. So fascinating. <laughs> yeah, I remember
1: now that you said that mine is in Pluto is in my North node and North node is where I'm headed. So the interesting mm-hmm. thing, my South node is, I think it's Virgo mm-hmm. and Virgo is all about intellect, analytical, all of those things that you know about me. And I always say I bridge science and spirit Mm -hmm. And when we looked at the north and south nodes, that's exactly what my chart says that I'm to be doing. So
0: yeah, Pluto's
1: in Pluto's in north node and it's a lot about intuition and spirit and all the things that I love to talk about and
0: Mm. well I'm excited to see what happens for you the next few years. With Pluto running around. So that's, that's exciting. It's not even a planet. <laughs> is it? I don't even know anymore. I don't, I don't even know anything anymore. So I feel <laughs> okay. What about human design? Um, energy type profile.
1: Um, I'm a three, five generator and what is it? Sacral authority, sacral mm-hmm. authority. Yeah. And Cooper is a projector. He's a two, four projector. I did mm-hmm. that inspired by Luna. Yeah. Who, yeah.
0: She's also a two-par projector. They're twins. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. She's a two-par projector. Oh my gosh, I love that. He's Uh, such a good guy. They're such good guys. Yeah, yeah. Okay, three, five generator. Yeah, that tracks. That makes sense. Okay, love that. Cool. Mm -hmm. Lastly, what is a topic you're really interested in right now? What are you learning about? What are you thinking about? What are you pondering about? Like what's been on your mind?
1: So you know I've spent most of my career in psychology I have a PhD I did all of that work and have been doing executive coaching and bridging science and spirit and all of those things and recently what has really drawn my attention is numerology and it's something that from the science perspective everybody's like a little bit like what are you even talking about but there's something in that to me that is pretty potent right now so I'm just paying attention to that to that and seeing how that's showing up in my life and my business and in my clients' lives too. Where I've landed is that as I'm looking at the clock, it, for some reason I saw, oh, it's January 11th, one fifteen is actually what time it is right now. So I'm always curious about that. But I think that anything that we can use to anchor us into what's possible is really important right now. And for me, the numerology is indicating what's possible now and in the future.
0: Yeah, so. I love that. Do you know your life path?
1: Is that my birthday altogether? Yeah. All the numbers, um, 11, 11, two. Oh,
0: okay, that makes sense. Yeah. You would be an 11. <laughs> do you know your um, personal year?
1: My personal year is it would be one. A one.
0: Yeah, uh-huh. one. Okay, so new beginnings.
1: New beginnings.
0: What do you feel like you're on the cusp of? What do you feel well, like the new beginnings about?
1: The new beginning is really making that final transition, not necessarily out of the corporate space. Certainly, a lot of my clients come out of corporate, the uh, women engineers and, and physicians primarily, but others who are in the corporate space who are making the leap out themselves. But what I've been working on recently is this whole concept of becoming the channel. I've been a clear channel since I was a little kid. And it's always something that's operated in my life most of the time behind the scenes because of my education and credentials and background and just where I came from professionally. And now it really is just about leaning into bringing my channel front and center and teaching other people how to channel, not not necessarily councils of light, like maybe you do or I do, but channeling frequencies of consciousness, like wealth consciousness, like joy. I think everybody's channeling something. Mm -hmm. And the more refined we get about and intentional we get about what we're channeling, I think the more quick and easy the transition is going to be into the Ascension process.
0: 100%. Can you expand more on... Like what that, what that means exactly. Cause I feel like, you know, people always ask me like, what, does what channeling mean? And I feel like I have a much broader definition than a lot of other people, because like, to your point, everybody's channeling. And I think that sometimes people are getting really caught up in like channeling like me, you know, <laughs> and mm-hmm. I'm like, that's not the only way to channel. Mm-hmm. Um, so what does that mean? What does that mean to you?
1: When I look at channeling, I have to look at it through the lens of spiritual intelligence. Spiritual intelligence is the capacity to alter your consciousness in the service of yourself or somebody else, and the ability to use, I'll say, energetic or spiritual tools and techniques to bring about real world transformation. So there's two pieces to that. So when we look at channeling through that lens, we have to look at the sacred gift of being able to shift your consciousness out of beta waking state into an, an alternative state of consciousness, whether you look at alpha wave state, which is a highly creative state, or the delta the delta state, which is where the Akashic records are, are existing. So it's altering your consciousness. And then my, my guides get me up at 3 a.m. and they're so sweet. They're like, if you wouldn't mind, getting up and going into your office. We have a couple of things we want you to take down.
0: Yeah. They're so nice.
1: And how do you say no to that?
0: Yeah, <laughs> sure, sure. So
1: they, I grew up Catholic and my dad used to lead the, the music ministry at the Catholic church with his guitar. We, it was total folk mass kind of thing. And there was this one song, peace is flowing like a river flowing out of you and me flowing out into the desert, setting all the captives free. And my guides started my channeling session with that. And they said, that's channeling. It's channeling a frequency, whether it's peace or joy or wealth, abundance on all levels. Um, But it's an energy to me, when they said it's like a river, I was like, oh, it's like water. So if we can use our imagination and imagine whatever we're channeling to be like crystal clear water, Mm -hmm. then there are different streams of consciousness that you can step into. Yeah. There are the lower streams of consciousness or the, the lower order frequencies, like fear, doubt, shame, embarrassment, all of those that we're so familiar with in 3D. But then when we move into the higher levels of consciousness, we're seeing things that I've mentioned, joy, abundance. And when you think about like who you channel or who I channel, they're at highest levels of consciousness that we have access to in our little human bodies here mm-hmm. in terms of so they're already at that frequency, whatever we're wanting or deciding that we're going to tune into. It's kind of like a radio station, isn't it in some ways?
0: Yeah, hundred percent hundred percent. Well, I think I like that's so important uh, because I think a lot of people think they have to be somewhere else in their lives to start like, bringing through really important energies and you don't, it's, it's less about even what you're doing. It's like how you're doing it in terms of what the energy is that's coming through, you know, and I think about this a lot with people. Um, and it's such a like two, four, two, four thing in human design, right? The two line is like, you have certain things you're good at, and you don't really know how you're good at them. You just are, and you can't really explain it to other people. And there are a lot of things that I do that people like, want me to explain, well, how do you do that? And I'm like, I, I can't break down a mechanic for you. It's just a vibration that's running through me, you know? And I think that's where like, everybody starts to just access um, that feeling of, I don't even know how I'm doing this, but I'm really good at whatever this unique thing is. It's like just choosing the, the frequency that's going to flow through you. Does that make sense? Yes, it
1: does. And it reminds me, you know, I love the Neo personality profile. Mm-hmm. And there's one aspect of personality called openness to experiences and people who are profoundly open to new experiences are highly imaginative, uh, prone to questioning the status quo, lifelong learners have a, have really are quite attuned to their clear, clear sentience, their empathy, or their, their emotional bodies have this capacity to move into that altered state of consciousness very easily not that you're zoning out at all, but that you're just more tuning in. They have the capacity to enter into what some psychologists would call flow consciousness. And flow is where you lose track of time. You become completely absorbed and engaged in the activity. Um, Writers find flow when we write. Mm -hmm. Musicians, when they're composing music or playing music, surgeons will find flow when they're in the surgery theater doing their, their surgery. So there are all different ways um, let's say modalities through which this flow can come or this channeling can come. I'm I'm pretty convinced that flow and channeling are interchangeable in terms of what we're what we're talking about.
0: I agree. Yeah. Can Can we talk? Because this is I had a couple of things I was like we need to cover today. Uh, one being the neo. Um, I had that experience with you. I don't even remember a couple months ago. Uh, what is time? But It was so fascinating to me and such a profound experience. Um, And I would love for you to explain more about like what it is and how it's helpful.
1: Mm The Neo is like the opposite of a, an astrology reading, if (laughs) it could be. it's It's the opposite it's norm-based it's standardized Uh it's something the neo is it's a five-factor personality assessment that personality psychologists use to assess personality and have done so for i'm going to say probably going on 70 years at this point if you've studied psychology at all chances are quite good that you have been exposed to the big five personality traits neuroticism openness agreeableness extroversion and conscientiousness. Those are the big five. And then those five are broken down into six different facets each. So you can really dial in on the unique aspects of your personality. But here's the thing that makes it unique. I said it's norm-based and standardized. So when you look at a normal distribution curve or remember a bell-shaped curve from college where you were graded on that, 68% of the population have average personality scores. And we all have aspects to our personalities that are average. Like I score average on my level of angry hostility. We'll just give that, we'll just give that as an example. Um, But there are some people who score on the tails of the curve on some of these facets. And the one that I mentioned earlier was openness. So openness to change or openness to experiences is the hallmark of the creative personality. So if you think about it on a normal distribution curve, if you score in the 95th percentile, 97th percentile or above, if you look at a room of hundred people, a thousand people, or even 10,000 people, you're going to have one of the most unique perspectives and ways of viewing the world in terms of your openness. So in terms of being highly imaginative, creative, intuitive, those kinds of experiences that you have and I have, When we look at openness in particular, we can see that our personalities are very unique in the population. Why is that important to know? Because when you're a spiritually intelligent or an intuitive kid and you feel so different from everybody else and you can't figure out why, why do I know that there's going to be a pop quiz in math today and I know exactly what to study? Why is that? Why is that that I'm having precognitive dreams and when I tell my friends, they look at me like I have three heads? Why is that? Well, when you look at your personality and you can see compared to everybody else who has taken this assessment over you know, the generations that the, these, this data has been collected, you can start to see, oh, this is why I feel so different than everybody else because actually within the population, I am quite different from everyone else. So this gives validation to your experience. One of the things that we know for sure happens, especially with intuitive creative people, is that we get sort of singled out, like what's wrong with you? Why can't you be like everybody else? Why can't you not say what you're thinking all the time? Why do you know that your parents, friends are getting divorced? You shouldn't know that. How do you know that Christina, right? Those kinds of things and that you're made wrong for just being who you are. So when you have data in front of you and you have this experience, so you got to see your your graph, a graphic representation of your personality. And you got to see those highs and lows where you had a whole bunch of a characteristic and not so much of another compared to everybody else. When you get to see that in black and white, it changes how you perceive yourself. Does that match up with your experience?
0: Oh, 100%, 100% because you're looking at like, and and it's funny because it's not something like, I don't know you know, like, but it's a very different experience to like see it on a graph and be like, oh, I, in with if I look at the general population, I'm like 1% of people that are this open, that have this level of imagination, that are this much attuned to like, one of them was like fantasy. And I was like, oh shit. Like (laughs) I really am in, if I'm in the 1% there, of course that's one of my natural gifts, you know? And I think Mm -hmm. especially like, we've talked about this. We talk about this, like in, in the mastermind and everything, like there are levels to coming out of the spiritual closet. 100%. Like I'm still in, I'm still in it. Right. And I have like, my whole brand is called Christina the channel. Like, and I still am like, there are levels to it, you know? Um, and I feel like it's really helpful when you're making kind of an identity shift or really stepping into who you really are to see like, Oh shit, I'm I'm meant to do this. I'm in the 1% of people who think like this. Of course, of course, I'm supposed to do this, you know? Um, and there, there are other people who are in a 1% that I'm general, I, you know, I'm just average and that's not my unique gift. So I feel like it's really helpful to like have, you know, this um, like very tangible, oh, these are my unique gifts and other people don't think like this. And that's your edge for sure. It
1: just is such a validating experience. I remember when my my academic advisor interpreted my neo. It was mind-blowing to me that I felt so different my whole life. I knew I was different, but the messages that I got growing up in South Dakota, what, you know, were things like just don't rock the boat, don't make waves, don't be too big for your britches, all of those things that probably go beyond South Dakota of course as we know, but they're just in the ethers. And when I really got to look at my personality and see that I'm in the top 1% of humans on the planet in terms of my openness, like you are, um, it's very rare. And so one of the things I know that you have a kind of a different impression of this as well, that I sort of struggle with is when people say that everybody's intuitive. And I think that we are to some degree. And yet there are those of us who are quite adept something we don't have to be taught how to be intuitive. We just are. That's how we came out of the womb. Mm -hmm. There are people who can be taught how to pay attention to their intuition, but then there's that segment of us, that smaller segment, we'll say the top 10%, perhaps 15 on the outside percent of people who have a unique capacity as spiritually intelligent people to not just be intuitive for themselves, but to make contributions in the world based on their intuition and their spiritual intelligence.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And that was something I had to like over time integrate because when this was all opening up and I was kind of like in resistance, the conversation I was having, you know, with the guides was like, well, every, if everyone can channel and like everybody has psychic gifts, then like why, why would I make this my career? Like everybody exactly. can do this, you know? Yeah. And I really bumped up against that for a long time. Um, and that's also, you know, when people, like, I think about when I get interviewed and ask these kinds of questions, um, it's a dance because I don't want to sound discouraging. It's like, I mean, but not everybody's going to channel in the same way, you know, or the, mm-hmm. their psychic gifts aren't going to all come forward in the same way. Like, you know, I always say, I'm like, just to be blunt, like, I don't want people to feel bad, but I'm like, most people are never going to be as clairvoyant as me. Like most people are, are not going to see holograms around them all the time. That's just, for most people, that's just not how their mm-hmm. psychic gifts are going to come forward, you know? Um, And it's not like a bad, it's not like a good or bad thing. It's just like, we're all different. And I think for me, the explanation that like made the most sense was when my guides were like, if you think about everybody who speaks English, like take any language. Right. So for me, like my, my native language is English. Everybody who speaks English, all these people can speak English, but not everybody should be an English teacher. And I was like, Oh shit. Like that's true. Right. Like I'm sure a a lot of us would be like, yeah, I should not be an English teacher. Um, it's such a good
1: point. It's such a good point because there are English English exists on a normal distribution curve as well, where there are some people who are linguistically gifted mm-hmm. and there are some people who are very, very clearly not linguistically gifted mm-hmm. or any, you could use a sports metaphor as well. I've heard you talk about becoming an NBA basketball player. What does yes. it actually take to get there? Well, I think that there's been a disservice done within the spiritual community to say that everybody's intuitive because it dilutes down these natural gifts that some of us have access to that maybe other people don't, but can learn from us, can benefit from our contributions. Mm -hmm. But if we are downplaying our gifts because everybody's got it, it's like, what was the example? When I was a kid, some, I would hear every once in a while, you're no better than anybody else. But what I would hear is that you're no different from anybody else. And I knew that that was not true. Mm -hmm. So when we look at your Neo profile, it doesn't mean that you're better than, it's not a comparator in that way. It's a different from. Mm -hmm. And the people who find their way to me, whether they identify as spiritually intelligent, most don't because this is a new concept uh, or whether, whether or not they identify as intuitive. When I look at their Neo profiles, I can see and I can pinpoint that in fact, they probably are intuitive and they probably have had this gift for a long time. And it's been in the closet behind the scenes because they don't wanna be perceived as weird or different or whatever from their from their colleagues. And yet that's the very thing that makes them unique and that's their gift. Yeah. So a lot of times the process and you know, to your point about the levels of whatever, the levels of intuition, the levels of becoming a channel, it's awakening to it and arising to your gifts mm-hmm. And then learning how to apply those, and finally amplifying those. Those are the four stages of development that I've seen play out.
0: Yeah. No, I totally, I totally agree with you. I think it's all in like what's the, what, like what are you, what are we talking about specifically, right? Because it's like everybody is intuitive, right? Like we do all have those, and like I could put anyone through like my psychic development course, and like you're gonna tap into your intuition, but the way your intuition comes through might not look like the way it comes through for me. Um, you know what I mean? Or it's like, we mm-hmm. all, it's it—it's the basketball example. You know, I can learn to play basketball. I'm never going to be a professional player. <laughs> that doesn't mean I can't play, you know? Right. So I think- And it doesn't mean you can't have yeah. fun from it.
1: It doesn't mean that you mm-hmm. can't benefit from it or won't benefit from it. Mm-hmm. Because you and I both know where the world is headed in this ascension process is to- Accessing and aligning with our spiritual gifts, talents, and abilities with our ancient gifts. Yeah. That's where we're headed. Not everybody is on this pathway, but those of us who are find their way to people like you and me to be able to activate and align with their gifts that have been latent. Yeah. Or have been in the closet behind the scenes operating and bringing those front and center out of necessity.
0: Yeah. I'm really glad this conversation is coming up. It's It's been on my mind because I like to keep the definition of channeling broad enough, right? Because to me, like it is flow, but then also to your point, it can get diluted, you know, around like when people like I'm channeling, I'm channeling. And it depends on our definition there, you know? And I was, I was watching this series, like, I think it was just called channeling. Um, and it's all about different trance channels. And you know, one person in there, there's a bunch of different, a bunch of different people, um, was saying, yeah, anybody can, anybody can trans channel. I was like, no, they can't <laughs> like, like, they're just not going to, you know? Um, and so I think that there is that balance there of like, I don't know, I don't know how you feel about that, but I'm just like, there, like, there are certain, I could look at any modality and like, there are just certain modalities. I'm like, I'm never going to do that. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, it's just not my unique gifts. Um, and I think that sometimes we're trying to be so inclusive that then we're, we are watering down, like where people do have a gift because everybody does
1: to some degree, kind
0: of,
1: but you know, you you think that some people
0: don't have something they're like, Let's talk
1: about, let's talk about the personality characteristic of order, shall we? Yeah. Yeah. Like there are some people who order falls under the, under the factor of conscientiousness. Mm -hmm. There are some people who are OCD in terms of order, everything in their place, everything has its place. And if it's out of place, probably something's going to go sideways in my life. That's not me. And I know it's not you either. If you look at my desk, I've got my keyboard and my tarot cards and my lip gloss and all of this stuff below my screen. Um, I appreciate order, but my, my, in my Neo profile, my score on that particular facet of personality is average. So I'm about as orderly as everybody else. So yeah, I have some degree of order. Can I be more organized? Can I be more orderly? Yes, I can flex into it, but what's the cost of that? It's exhausting. It's frustrating. It's overwhelming, whatever. And so am I willing to pay the price to be more orderly if it's not in my inherent in
0: mm. how I'm wired? So, so, so if we have a, a, a trait where we're like average, if we try and lean into an extreme, that's where we're going to be exhausted because it's you not think? natural for us. Yeah. yeah I mean, I do. look at,
1: look at extroversion. So uh-huh. if we look at the Myers-Briggs on that polarity of introversion extroversion, and then some of us they've made up this new term called ambiverts, which are kind of you can go either way. Um, first of all, there's no this is going to be controversial, but I can't help it. I have to. Let's say it. The personality psychologists call the Myers Briggs the zombie personality assessment that won't die.
0: <laughs> I feel that way. I, I, I mean, I you know I I studied psych in undergrad and like. The Myers, I just never liked the Myers Briggs, like, and I feel like all these people are obsessed with it. I just have never resonated with it. I don't know what I am. I don't. I mean, I've taken it. I don't remember. I just, it was like
1: the Myers Briggs for creative people in particular, who are also very bright, um, on an IQ from an IQ perspective. Often that will tell us more about what we're not than what we are. And when you get a bunch of creative, intuitive kids or young people in a room together and you give them the Myers Briggs, they're INFPs, like all of them, or INTPs or whatever. And so it's like, how does that okay? So great. So we're all that. So how does that help me understand myself better if everybody in the room is just like me? Yeah. Right. It's more about so it has an intuitive benefit to it. And I know that. When I was studying, when I was doing my PhD, the counseling center was even using the Myers-Briggs as one of their major assessments, which blew my mind that they were doing that, but um, it does have its place early on, I think, in understanding yourself, but the NEO, which has all of the data and all of the research backing it is so much more precise in terms of helping you understand. So when we look at all this to say, when we look at introversion and extroversion on the NEO, there are actually six different facets that make that up. One of them is, one of them is how gregarious am I? Do I love to be in the center of the room, you know, at this at the biggest party and, you know, having the best time? Or if I'm at that at that party, am I under a table reading a book instead? Or one of our friends, our mutual friend Jennifer said, I wouldn't even be at the party. I'd be up in my hotel room reading my book. So, but it doesn't mean that you can't, it just means that there's, a, there's an energetic cost to doing so, that then you have to go and recover. And I've been saying for a while now that a lot of the, the, the spiritual entrepreneurs who are doing quite well in business right now, were kind of wired for this time because they are more introverted overall. Yeah. So it's okay to be sitting at your screen for eight hours a day talking to people who you can't see, it actually is kind of um, not as taxing on your nervous system as when you have to go out in public and be on stage and do all the things that we used to have to do all the time in order to be of support to people.
0: If you want to uh, manifest more money, more fulfilling relationships, better health, but despite doing your daily manifestation and visualization practices it isn't coming to you easily this is what you need to know what i have learned through my own experience again and again and through the experiences of all the people i've worked with is that the main reason why people have trouble calling in more of what they want is that they have underlying limiting beliefs that there is not enough or that they aren't actually worthy of receiving what it is that they want Here's the thing. In order to be an energetic match for more, we need to get out of scarcity mindset and start embodying the energy of abundance. This allows you to effortlessly attract more abundance to you, whether you want money, relationships, health, any physical form of abundance. If you are wondering how to align with the energy of abundance and how to effortlessly attract different forms of abundance into your life, I have created a brand new course that teaches you the exact practices that I use and my clients use to align with abundance in all areas of our life, making manifestation effortless. This course, Abundance Accelerator, includes over nine hours of video lesson content, exclusive journal prompts and exercises to help you integrate the information and a really powerful 30 minute energy healing activation to help you align your frequency with the energy of abundance. When you enroll, you get lifetime access to all of the course materials. You can start today and you get to do this all at your own pace. So your life could change literally in a week if you are ready. If you are ready to learn how to receive the endless support and abundance that is already available to you, then you can enroll in Abundance Accelerator today by going to bit.ly slash AXL course. Again, that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash A-X-L C-O-U-R-S-E. I can't wait to hear what you manifest. I know you work with a lot of like um, very successful business owners and executives. And what are the person like the personality traits that they're scoring the highest on? That's an awesome question. Like big themes,
1: so, big themes. Assertiveness. Assertiveness is actually in the extraversion factor. Uh, Women in particular who I work with score in about the 90th percentile and above on assertiveness. So in a room of hundred people, they're going to be one of the most assertive people in the room. What's the problem with that, of being a woman who's one of the most assertive people in the room? You get all the labels. You get all the labels. So that's one thing we have to really look at is how to lead and how how to clear out all of the, you know, your bossy, you're overbearing, you're a bitch, whatever that is. Can I swear? Sorry.
0: Yeah. hundred percent.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. So all of those, those labels that we get, I think you score pretty high on assertiveness. I know I, I do too. I do. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, when you're a little kid and you're the, you get labeled the bossy one. Well, are you, or do you, are you just a leader? Sheryl Sandberg said that one time little girls shouldn't be called bossy. They should just be told that they have leadership qualities. And that is true, but we have these societal, cultural, generational, and genetic influences that create the conditions for us to kind of dull down our natural leadership to get along with others, to not rock the boat, to advance our careers in a way that you know makes make logical sense. I'm using kind of air quotes there around that. So assertiveness is one. The people who come to me are all super open to experiences so when i say everybody in my sphere who comes in has the capability of channeling of becoming the channel that's actually true Hmm. in the larger population probably not but the ones who find their way to me and likely if we were to do neos on some of your private clients we'd probably see the same thing is that they actually do have the capability of doing so Hmm. um Assertiveness, openness. What's another one? Oh, here's one that's hard. So neuroticism is a word that I don't like, but because we use it wrong all the time, but what neuroticism actually is, is the uh, sensitivity to stress and emotional reactivity. So it answers those two questions. One of the things that I see with the people who come to me is that they're on the extremes. Either they have a lot of neuroticism in their personality profile, meaning that their nervous system is wired hot. So they have a lot of anxiety, a tendency toward depression, a short fuse. So there's that angry hostility that I mentioned earlier. They might have some impulsivity, impulsivity meaning um, the, over, the addictive kind of things, over eating, over drinking, over sexing, over gambling, those kinds of things and then just a general sensitivity to stress. So they're on one end of the spectrum and then the other extreme also find their way to me. They're the ones who are more like the rocks. Like they are unflappable, unmoved by the storms of life. They're Mm -hmm. good in a crisis. The problem that they have is that their bodies burn out long before or long after they're, they're emotionally burned out, but they keep going because their bodies are wired to just keep going. So they're the ones who are probably going to be the marathoners and the extra, the ultra marathoners. They're going to be the ones who show up with kidney infections and bladder infections and low back pain, Mm. that kind of thing. So they somaticize a lot of their symptoms and they just keep working because they can, they have a high tolerance for frustration. So I have to get them a little bit more sensitive to their bodies to start paying attention to their bodies. And on the other end, we have to manage the nervous system for the ones who are high on neuroticism facets to help them have a clear filter through which they can channel their energy. If you think about it, if you're anxious all the time and you're channeling, all of that energy that you're channeling gets filtered through the lens of anxiety. So now the sky is falling 24/7.
0: Mhm yeah, I know my nervous system runs hot. <laughs> same, same, but, but I also do have an ability to like push through it. Like, yeah, you
1: have so you have, if I'm remembering correctly, you probably had a little bit of a spike on anxiety, I'm thinking, mm-hmm. or it might have just been that overall sensitivity to stress. Mm-hmm. But then you've got this high level of conscientiousness, which is a completely different factor right? That's the work ethic. And you're, you have a lot of conscientiousness built into your profile. You're like a Mm workhorse. So you're managing and plus you're really smart. So you, when you have an experience of anxiety, depression, just sensitivity to stress, you just deploy some of your intellectual resources to manage that because you can, not because you're hiding it, but just because you can to push through whatever it is. But then at some point there's going to be some blowback from that.
0: Oh, for sure. I think some of my favorites in here were uh, (laughs) I'm very disagreeable. Yes. And the gregariousness. What was your gregariousness score? Can we talk about, uh, i have not, I'm not very gregarious. I'm like, I think it was super low.
1: Yeah, you'd be under the table reading the book at the the party. Yeah,
0: Yeah. that was super low. Yeah,
1: so, and you're disagreeable. And that's another of the characteristics (laughs) of the people who find their way to me is that Um, there's a level of disagreeableness, meaning that you let your yes be yes and your no be no. Here's what I always say is that when you're creative, innovative, um, when you're highly imaginative and you have these great ideas that come through, you're disagreeable enough to push through even when people are saying, oh, Christina, that doesn't make any sense. That's not logical. And you're like, you know what? Fuck off. I'm doing this and I'm going to do it anyway. And then eventually they get on board or they go away right?
0: It's true, true um,
1: story. <laughs> even though it's quite different from an astrological reading, it kind of, for me, when I, when I read people's NEOs, it is a, uh, it is a very intuitive process. It's like doing a tarot card reading for me. Like I see things that mm-hmm. can come through in those profiles just because I know it so well. So yeah, yeah um, there are some people who will find their way to me who are pretty agreeable and I have to teach them that no is a complete sentence.
0: Uh, and with you is. disagreeable
1: ones, the good thing for me about you guys, my clients call me the velvet hammer because I say things. And then afterwards I'm like, Oh, I can't believe I just said that. And they're like, no, I love how straightforward you are. Um, with the disagreeable people, you guys can really just hear what I have to say without getting your feelings hurt. And that is so perfect for me. Mm-hmm. So 100%. yeah,
0: I, I need that kind of those kinds of people in my life. I, it's like, people whose feelings get hurt easily just aren't attracted to me. I can understand why it's just not going (laughs) to (laughs) work at all. It's just not going to work at all. Um, well, I highly recommend this anyone listening, if you are interested in it because it's game changing, life changing to understand yourself and to know where you really do, um, have unique traits in the 1% that other people don't, you know? So, but with that, I want to segue into your favorite topic, ADHD, and I'm curious what, what people might label as ADHD, like what comes up on the Neo? What are the things that are popping up?
1: So did you know this? I know you did because we've talked about this before, but for the sake of everybody, mm-hmm. there was some research done years ago by one of my, my academic mentors, colleagues. So this was in the mid nineties that she did. She looked at the characteristics of the creative personality and the diagnostic criteria for ADHD. And you know what, Christina, they're the same.
0: Yeah, I bet.
1: Yeah. So whenever You know, my background is in education. I worked in at at the university level. I helped start a school for gifted kids. Kind of, I said at the beginning when we started the school, it's like X-Men. It was like, I was Professor Xavier in some ways. Like Mm -hmm. calling in all the mutants that that didn't play well for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe I was just ahead of my time. They're like, my child is not a mutant. Well, in fact, (laughs) it kind of is. Um, So when we look at ADHD, one of the things that, especially for women who are spiritually inclined, what we're looking at is probably a diagnosis. And I'm not diagnosing you or anybody here, just so we're clear, but we're, we would be looking at an inattentive type of ADHD daydreaming, not paying attention, forgetting things, you know, kind of the, the um, absent minded professor would be a great archetype. But what's the gift in that? we can access higher levels of consciousness. When we're daydreaming, we're actually tuning into other levels of consciousness other than our waking beta state. Um, We're picking up on intuitive things. We're picking up on thought forms. I'm guessing referring back to, how did I know I was getting a pop quiz? I was probably tuning into my teacher's thinking and it was just picking up on her thought process. I shouldn't say just, but you know what I mean? Like you can pick, you can tune into that. So that's one. The impulsivity that we see in the neuroticism shows up a lot with ADHD. That um, not tolerating frustration well and needing to self-soothe is part of that more um, hyperactive or impulse, impulsive type of ADHD. The low, being low on order with conscientiousness, being a, your desk is so messy. Why can't you just be tidy like the other kids? Well. That's kind of part of the ADHD as well. But also when you look at from my own experience, and perhaps you can speak to this as well, with in terms of messiness, my priorities are just elsewhere. Like I would rather sit down and write than clean up my desk. Same. <laughs> I appreciate it. I hire somebody to, you know, clean my house for me because I, I love having a clean house. I'm just not the one who it loses my attention and I get bored, which leads me to the next aspect that is similar is a high need for change. That's the openness to experiences. So if you score high on openness to experiences on Neo, chances are quite good that you're going to have some characteristics of ADHD. So those are the ones that kind of I've I've been seeing have shown up. What I'm also kind of playing around with is this idea is if you have ADHD, are you also more inclined to be spiritually intelligent? I think yes, but we'll see, we'll see where that goes.
0: I mean, let's just like, open it up. Like what's your perspective on ADHD? And then there was silence (laughs) as she ponders.
1: Okay. I wasn't diagnosed with ADHD until I was in graduate school. And the reason that I wasn't diagnosed Well, there were a couple, one was I'm very bright from an IQ perspective. I score in about the, I don't know, 95th percentile or something. I'll just throw that out there. But what we're talking about with intelligence is just processing speed, how fast you process information, make sense of things and know what to do about it. So if you're a fast processor, chances are good that you'll score very high on an IQ test. Why that matters is that when you have symptoms, a cognitive difference like ADHD, and you also are very bright, you can mask your symptoms. Again, not because you're hiding, but just because you can. So I spent most of my childhood, I would transpose numbers in math class. I would, um, I was a good writer, but I would misspell words a lot. I got kind of labeled as, you know, I could do things and people would be so surprised when something would turn out really, really well, or I'd win, a, I would win something because the behind the scenes were really messy and they would be like, Oh my God, like how is she's playing? She's going to play this piano thing in, in the competition. And then they'd hear me practicing. There's no way that she could do that. And then suddenly I would win like those kinds of things. So the capacity to go into flow and to do deep practice was something that also shows up with people with ADHD. So all this to say that the the distractibility got got masked for a long time. So it wasn't until I was in graduate school that I even realized that probably I had ADHD. And the reason that I learned that was because I was actually doing ADHD assessments as part of my, my PhD program. And I was reading the assessments. I'm like, oh my God, that's me. Yeah. So I called my sister who was in medical school at the time. I'm like, hey, take this ADHD assessment on WebMD she gets halfway through when we start talking about something else. I'm like, did you finish? And she's like, no, I got distracted. I'm like, okay. So there you go. So the reason I bring this forward is because I do still think that there is a benefit to understanding yourself, whether it's through the Neo or through, if it's, if it's debilitating, if it's something that is really coming between you and you actualizing your highest potential to get a diagnosis can be helpful in explaining why you are the way you are. What do I think we should do with it after? I also think that in addition to an ADHD diagnosis, we also need to diagnose, take, take a look at the creative piece of it. I've had parents come to me and say, I want to do an ADHD assessment on my kid. And I say, that's fine, but we're also doing the creative assessment as well, the Neo, so that we can actually see what's going on in the personality. There need to be different angles that we explain these things from now, how do we treat it? That's where I really come up against some things that I think you and I are pretty consistent with is that the medication piece for it. I think that The prescriptions that are being given for focus, for attention, can get at the symptoms, but do they cause more harm than good? What happens to creativity when you're hyper-focused on the present 3D reality? What happens to your imagination when you're taking medications that are designed to focus your attention in the present moment, for example?
0: Well, also just the physical effects. Like... (laughs) you know what I mean? Like just like the long-term physical Mm -hmm. effects of like what's in the medications to me. Yeah.
1: The what happens to the liver, what happens to the kidneys, Mm -hmm. all of those things. And when we're looking at intuitive, spiritually adept people who are going on medications, it's, it dampens the natural spiritual abilities, which is an alternate agenda to the one that I'm interested in promoting and, and elevating, which is openness awareness ascension Mm -hmm. does that make sense yeah it
0: does it's like for me i think everybody's in a different situation and like you know it's always depends on the person obviously for me personally like my issue with some of these diagnoses is it's it's we receive it from the angle of like something's wrong with you right which is why i've never like identified I don't like to identify that way. I think I know a lot of people who like, yeah, I have ADHD. And it's like, I mean, have I been diagnosed? Yeah. Do I identify as having it? No. Um, Because I don't really, it's like, I don't see it as a problem. It presents (laughs) difficulties that I, I have to learn to like, okay, how do I, you know, how do I move through the world in a way that works for me? But I would have that whether or not uh, those, like everybody has that kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Like whether or not they have ADHD, it's like we all have just unique things within our personalities, how we're built, where maybe it's going to bump up against how society functions, you know? And so it's like, okay, how do I how do I work with this? Um, and I just don't like seeing it from the lens of something's wrong It's versus like I like getting to know myself and things about myself so I can lean into my strengths. You know, or just see how it can it make things easier for me? Um, so I don't really like to like identify, I don't like run around saying I have it, you know? Um, but I think what's helpful is, you know, let's say somebody has like those traits. What are some of the lifestyle recommendations um, to support them? Like, let's just Mm -hmm. take like, you know, I guess treatment out of the question, like, but just what are some of the lifestyle things that you, that you would recommend, you know, like I don't, I I mean, cause I still, I still battle with this and I, you know, I always joke. I'm like, do I have ADHD or am I a quad, right? Like, I'm just always like, I mean, I can't, or are you in the
1: 99th percentile on openness to experience? It's like all of those, depending on the lens that you're viewing that true. It can be a deficit. It can be a strength. And I always take a strengths-based approach to any, anything that we've got going on in our, in our personalities or in how we're wired. So a couple of things I would say, I, I identify as having ADHD. And one of the reasons that I do, and I made this decision consciously is because I can look like I have my shit together. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can And I've, I've been able to do that for a long, long time, but it's come, even as I say that it's come at a cost of, of having to do a lot of masking of symptoms. Like uh, one of my mentors sent me an email. Do you want to do this? And I look at it and if I don't do it in that moment, it's gone. Yeah. And she knows that about me. So she'll circle back and say, sweetheart, And she's very sweet with me about it because she knows that I have ADHD too. And it really helped my relationships and how people relate to me when I'm educating them about, listen, I do have ADHD. And if I miss something, it's not because I'm incompetent and it's not because I'm lazy and it's not because I'm, I don't care. Right. But it's just how my brain is wired. And so I appreciate your kindness and grace in coming back to this right? So that's one thing. Um, And the other thing that I, I think it's important for me in where I am in my life to identify as that and to just hold space for people who do have neurodiversities, especially in entrepreneurship, because there's still so much competition and comparison and all of those things that we need to remember what makes us unique is actually what gives us the ability to contribute in the way that we do in the world. So in terms of interventions, we'll call them a couple of things and you have to try it out for yourself. So I'm not diagnosing and I'm not offering prescriptions or anything like that in any kind of medical sense, but what's worked for me, meditation, regular meditation, bioral beats is very helpful and tapping. The EFT Mm -hmm. has been very helpful for me just in managing my nervous system. I've been playing around with mushrooms, non-hallucinogenic mushrooms, lion's mane particular. I learned that from somebody who is on one of your podcasts, the Organifi lady, the Organifi lady.
0: yeah, May, May. She was
1: talking about that. And I actually give Cooper mushrooms too for his anxiety based on from that same company. So um, that's been helpful in terms of my focus. Electrolytes, the element has been helpful. Regular exercise and weight training, muscle training has been really helpful as well. Keeping my physical body strong has been very helpful and I'm an athlete my whole life. So maintaining and developing my strength is something that just continues to help me focus in terms of my own leadership. Um, I've tried, let's see, what else? What else have I tried? I have been on medication in the past and it does have an effect. It's Mm -hmm. quite good actually. I just don't think that long-term or or chronic use of it is Mm -hmm. for me, the best thing
0: at all. Have you tried like nootropics?
1: No, Um, yes, actually I have. I'm trying to think about the brand that I have. I can see it, it's called Elevate or something like that. Mm -hmm. I have tried that. Mm -hmm. And all of them help with the focusing piece Mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. but I have to manage that as well, because otherwise, if I'm too focused, then my guides can't come in at 3 a.m. and say, if you wouldn't mind getting up and writing for a little while, I mean, that's the balance, isn't it? If I'm hyper-focused on the present 3D reality, I don't always have access to my higher levels of consciousness, which is important for me.
0: Totally. Well, that's why like, I don't take things to try and like change the symptoms I guess for me and I'm still I'm always playing with this but like the big things that make the, the things that help me are I don't want any of the way my brain is working to change but what kind of structures can I set up so that that's not a problem so like um how can I limit how many people can contact me like because the second if I have if I can Go on Instagram, check my texts, check my box, or check my email. Like I'm just squirrel braining, and I'm never getting anything done. So I have to be really strict with myself about like I'm only checking this thing at this time on this day, you know. And for me, it's boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. Or like I just I just can't look at my phone, you know. And so when people are like, "Why aren't you answering?" It's like because the second I do, my brain, like I, I can't. Focus you go down a rabbit hole. Yeah, hundred percent. You know. Mm-hmm. Or for me, with with writing books, it's like it's hard for me sometimes to articulate or explain express really how important it is to me. Like, Hey, if I'm editing my book, I cannot have any other thing come into my awareness because, and this happened to me last week and I got frustrated because I had blocked off my whole week to edit my book. Um, and there were some things that came in that were like timely, that then like needed my attention cuz it's like you know first week back kind of um and because of that like my whole week just kind of blew up because my brain was then taken everywhere else and then I can't get back into what I was trying to be focused on you know so for me the environment is super important and I was like this in school like school was I got excellent grades like perfect grades um so everybody thought school was easy for me it was really really hard because i mean i would go into school and my whole mindset was like yeah i'm not even i'm not even going to try and pay attention all day. Um, because I knew I wouldn't be able to, and I would just learn everything when I could hole up in my room, have no distractions and learn it all at night. Cause that was the only way I was going to be able to process it. Um, because if you think about yeah.
1: during the day, whether it's at school or last week in your example, you get, you're picking up on all of the thought forms and everybody else's energy mm-hmm. as you're trying to focus on your work. So that, that capacity to hyper-focus of course, is one of the major, components for people who have ADHD, but getting yourself into a place where you can hyper-focus, that's the discipline or the commitment or the devotion to the work. And sometimes it does mean, a lot of times it does mean setting up those external boundaries and having gatekeepers checking your email and doing those things for you so that you you don't have to. hmm Otherwise, you're right, your productive, your productivity goes in the tank because now you've got 17 other things going on in your head that you're trying to trying to manage. One of the things from a you want to go into asking our guides to help us with this. I my dad has ADHD too. He's a real estate broker and an auctioneer. So he's really like he really is like all over the place. And I talked to him one time and he was like, Oh, I've got like six deals going on. I've got, you know, and I could see like the contracts like swirling around him. So I had him put each of the contracts in a bubble and then I had him assign one of his guides to each of the contracts. Mm. So now the guides were involved and he got immediate relief from that feeling of overwhelm that often accompanies yeah. all of the all of the input of information coming in. And when you have your guides on the job, you know that things are going to get managed and they will get your attention when your attention is required, yeah. So that can be that's a that's an energetic spiritual piece that I think can really be helpful for those of us who have the capacity to hyper focus, go into flow, and to do this deeper work, and who need some of those constraints around it so that we actually can.
0: I love that. That's such a good time. Isn't that good? It's so good. I'm like, I'm, I don't know why I haven't done that. I'm going to do that immediately. All the this. bubbles, all yeah, the bubbles, just Like, those, like a, just assign everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh my gosh.
1: Well, Michael, you take this one and yeah. <laughs> Anthony, you take that one and let me know. Keep me posted. Exactly.
0: <laughs> just let just me know to- when, when it needs my attention.
1: <laughs> exactly. That way you don't have, you can offload that consciousness Mhm out of your system and put it back where it's meant to be. Which brings me to the last piece I wanted to share with you. I just learned this recently, you know, I'm an Akashic records teacher through Soul Journeys and we just did our annual training. And one of the things that Jennifer Longmore taught about is that we're treating our bodies like a storage space for all of the data, all of the data, all of the memories, all of the everything. And she said that the interesting thing is those are already housed in the Akashic records. So she, she gave the analogy of if you pick up all of the documents off your desktop on your computer and put them into a folder in the cloud, how good it feels to have your desktop clean. Mm-hmm. So if you can do that with your system, your body system, once a day, just pick everything up out of the system and send them back over to the records. They're in the records anyway. They don't, you don't need to have duplicate copies in your body. Isn't that so good?
0: Yeah, it's, it's so, good. so true. Um, yeah. it's, I've had, it's funny. Cause I've had that conversation with like, I've had three clients this week so far, like for energy healing. And we, that was every single person. Like I was like, we're taking all of this out. and We're just putting it in the cloud, like stop storing it here. You know, it makes a huge, mm-hmm. huge difference. Also, it was so weird. I just have to say this: is when you were saying that, I just had major deja vu. Uh, Love that. And, and I remember, it's so random. <laughs> There's no point to me saying this, but I remember when I first remember when I experienced that, and I was in fourth grade on the playground. Like I literally remember, like when I had the, when I saw it. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs>
1: When you saw what? When you saw like the class? Like this happen.
0: Oh, this, and you were this in fourth grade? Yeah. I literally just, re- I just remembered like when this, when I saw this happen, I was in fourth yeah. grade. That
1: makes me. So isn't that what, wild? <laughs> how old are you? 27? I'm
0: 27, yeah.
1: So I would have been, what year was that? That you were in fourth grade? That, uh,
0: oh God, I don't know. Uh, 2004
1: okay so I would have been just at the beginning of my spiritual journey it would have been wow yeah yeah
0: that's so cool
1: 34 I was probably riding horses or something it's so crazy
0: and Whoa. here we are here I had we to, are I just had to say that oh my god yeah wow I have chills I love when that happens um ADHD Squirrel. you keep thank up you. people
1: Um, that's so funny we're talking for so long we can go into hyper focus on this and yet we have this adhd which is like our attention is everywhere but
0: i know i know but i I love it well i want to know like because you talk about adhd all the time you know and like what is what what do you want people who have adhd to know
1: well first of all you're not broken Second of all, there is another way of looking at your symptoms that has nothing to do with deficit and everything to do with how your personality is wired. And those are the very things that we need to leverage for whether you're in your spiritual business or you're still in a leadership position in in a professional corporate space. You have to understand that you're more than a diagnosis. There are some people, a lot of people don't have a formal diagnosis, but they suspect that they do. And there is something validating about understanding what's going on with your brain. The more you understand yourself, the better you are able to uh, not just manage your experiences, but take command of this beautiful body, mind, and spirit that you have been given as you're leading your life. And I think that's the most important thing. The more you understand about yourself, the easier it is for you to navigate these, I don't even know what to call these times that we're living in, but these changing times, we'll just say.
0: These changing times. And
1: the other thing, the last thing I would say, I always think about myself when I was at a place where I didn't understand. I didn't understand that I was intuitive. I didn't understand that I had ADHD. I didn't understand how smart I was all I, all I thought was that I was really weird. And I, somebody said recently, what made you weird as a kid makes you great as an adult, right? So from that perspective, if you can understand what made you weird as a kid, you weren't weird. You were just quite different from everybody else. That's, Mm -hmm. there's a healing in there that needs to happen. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, that's really why I do the work that I do to teach people who they really are so that they can go out and do the missions that they came here to do and fulfill their purpose in the way that is in most alignment with their soul's blueprint.
0: 100%. The last thing I want to ask you is any other things that come to mind, any recommendations if there are any parents listening and they know their child has ADHD, like how they can best support them?
1: Get them tested for creativity, first of all. How do you do that? Like, what does that look like? Um, so there are personality, there are psychologists, neuropsych testing okay. will look at personality as well. If you request it, okay. I will do it to some degree. If I've got, if I've got a lot of the parents come to me and they have now teenagers and they're like, can you give my, my, the Neo to my kid? And the answer is yes. And I do that within the context of the, the parent-child relationship. So the parent understands the kid as well. The last thing I want our parents to be doing, I don't think that any of your listeners would be doing this, but there can still be that you're making it up in your head or there's something wrong with you. And if we can just start looking through the lens of what's right with them and building on their strengths and helping them understand themselves, that's gonna be the greatest gift. So whether it's giving them the Neo and out of level testing for gifted kids is appropriate. So even if they're 10 or 11 years old, they can still take the Neo. And then, so that's one thing. I would also say uh, my academic mentor and I wrote a book called Smart Girls in the 21st Century, which was published in 2014. That is really the handbook for understanding the psychology of gifted and talented girls and women. There's one chapter on twice exceptionality that is quite powerful in terms of understanding not just ADHD, but autism spectrum, mood disorders, anxiety, depression, anything that makes the brain more unique, the more you can understand about how the brain is wired and what the brain requires in order to optimize it will be very helpful for your children as well.
0: Okay. I think that's great. Yeah. And I think, um, well, like what, if they know that they, for sure, let's say they're like, yeah, they test high for creativity. Then like, what do you do with that? I guess.
1: That is an ongoing question Mm -hmm. that we have to have the answer to because a lot of the schools are still educating toward um, academic success and not really paying attention to the the social emotional development. So you're going to want to pay attention to social emotional and intuitive development for your kids Mm -hmm. as well. That feels very, Christina, um, almost ascended timeline schools for, for gifted kids who happen Mm -hmm. to be very intuitive to help them hone their creative and intuitive gifts. Mm -hmm. And that's something that is still to come since they're, you know, the Montessori schools will do a little bit of that. I think in terms of the creativity, maybe not so much in terms of the intuition part. Um, I feel like that that's part of my soul's assignment is to create schools like that. So that's, you know, stay tuned for that. Stay connected with me. And I'm always available to consult on those things as well because at this point I think it's really important to take it on a on a case by case basis rather than to make global recommendations. Uh, but if you suspect your kid has an ADHD or or if you spe- suspect you do as well, I think looking at the the creative and intuitive personality piece of it is an important first step. Yeah. and then we craft something that's bespoke based on on that on the results of the assessments rather than trying to create something generalized, which doesn't always work.
0: Yeah. I think, does for that me, make sense? Why I say that? Yeah, t- no, totally. I mean, I think for me, just like, I think it's great whether like if you're a parent knowing, just knowing all of the ways that ADHD could look, you know, because when I was younger, I didn't realize I had it. Um, nobody did.
1: You didn't yeah. realize that your parents didn't, you didn't get diagnosed with it because you were so bright. You could mask yeah. a lot of the symptoms.
0: Yeah, totally. You know? And so I think just that kind of note, know, knowing all the different ways that can, that can come up. Um, and I think I wish earlier on that I had maybe had some more outlets where I could see that that was a gift instead of like every situation I was in, because it was, you know, like all pretty school oriented or like school activities, mm-hmm. Um, everything just felt really hard. And I think if I had a space where it felt like flow, because I was leaning into my creativity, um, that would have helped me see how they like, were good parts of it, you know, it wasn't until I was older that I could understand that. So I think just like having that, that creative room um, is huge.
1: And the interesting thing is for gifted creative kids is that they can actually understand if you were eight, and we had a conversation about, oh, you just had a deja vu moment. That's awesome, Christina. Let's be interested in how that comes to, comes to, you know what I mean? Like, those are the things that just affirming somebody's strengths can be so game-changing rather than looking at you like you've got three heads and what are you even talking about? So those are the things that we can do personally and in the home. And then, um, you know, I think that that, it's to be continued isn't it in terms of yeah. how we're supporting this next these little babies who are coming in who are so connected and so wise
0: yeah they're so wise well i'm excited to see the changes that come i feel like i know a lot of people who are very interested in making these new types of schools and i would love to see that come to fruition like i think that's so important um yeah and i think a lot of people are are realizing that we're not all built, um, in the same way. We're We're not strengths, you know? So, um, I very much appreciate this conversation. I know that you have many ADHD conversations on your, your own podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, can you just let everybody know where to connect further with you? Um, where to maybe Go if they want to book in with the Neo, just any links you want to yeah.
1: try. So, to start a conversation with me, you can go to my website, drrobinmckay.com forward slash call, and that just books a call with me to figure out what a ne- best next step is for you. On social, I'm on Facebook because I'm Gen X and that's where we hang out. And also Instagram, dr. Robin McKay. I've started TikToking as well. Is that what it is? Can yeah. you do that?
0: Yeah. TikTok, (laughs)
1: TikTok, And, um, oh, my, my podcast mindset RX is on iTunes and what's the other one. Oh my God. I just Spotify. Thank you. I totally lost that word. Yeah. I love my mindset RX. You were on it. And I think that that's such a great conversation that you and I had on your take on ADHD on my podcast. So I would direct them there as well to get your, more of your perspective. That's a really yeah. I have opinions,
0: word. obviously. I mean, everyone knows I have opinions.
1: <laughs> I love I'm your assertive. opinions. I, <laughs> yes, I you laser. are. Yes, you are. You have a level of assertiveness that is unsurpassed by most humans. So <laughs> wow. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. In the yeah.
0: top 1% of assertiveness
1: <laughs> In the top, the bottom 5% on agreeableness. So there yeah. you go.
0: <laughs> Sorry, everyone. I'm very disagreeable. <laughs> I love it though. I love it though. But oh, you're friendly man. when
1: you're disagreeable, which is yeah. nice. It makes it more palatable. You say you say no with a smile.
0: No, period. It's cheeky, but no. Smile. Nope. <laughs> Thanks, but no. <laughs> totally. That's the key. That's the key to being disagreeable. Oh my gosh. Well, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, we could talk for hours. Ever. I know, but this we has will. Been we'll continue incredible. the conversation. Yeah. Um, and I know everyone's going to get a lot of it. So thank you again for being here.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Huge thank you to Robin for coming on the podcast and sharing so much incredible wisdom. If you want to connect further with her, be sure to head to Instagram at Dr. Robin McKay. You can find her on Facebook at Robin McKay PhD and on LinkedIn. Don't forget that if you book in for your NEO assessment, be sure to use my discount code Christina. C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A to get $200 off. And definitely check out her podcast, Mindset RX. Like I said, I've been a guest on the show, so you can listen to that episode or any of the other ones that tickle your fancy, but it's an incredible podcast. If you did enjoy this episode, be sure to take a screenshot, share it to social media, tag me, tag Christina, the channel podcast, and tag Robin so that we can see that you're enjoying the episode and we post you and say thank you for sharing the love. And if you think that anyone in your life would appreciate this episode, maybe send them the link. Huge thank you to every one of you who shares and supports the show. It truly, truly means the world to my team. I just can't thank you guys enough. So thanks again for tuning in today. I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. And I'll chat with you again next time.